0: Hi, this is Mike McNamara and you're listening to All Marine Radio On your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. Casting live, yeah, in living color, kind of, from Studio One in Southern California, and we're back, right? From Alaska, yeah, we're had an awesome time. So um yeah. Been a busy week. And it's gonna get busier. I'm headed to Wisconsin. Yeah, I get to see Napa Man is now he's always gonna be Napa Man. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name him like Badger Man or Wisconsin man. Yeah, you don't like Montana man's Montana man, F eighteen man is F eighteen man. Yeah, so I'm gonna get get a chance to see him and his family, have dinner at their house. Yeah, see the new, like, ranch in in Wisconsin, so I'm fired up about that. But this week's been uh, awesome, and yesterday was even awesomer. Um, I'm, I got four different phone calls to say, hey, will you come help us? I said, fuck yeah, I will, man, to every one of them. So, um, so, um... Yeah, it was good. It was good, man. I am. Uh, I, again, sometimes I have to. I have to pinch myself, and uh, but you know what? I'm I'm really a fortunate person in my life, and this thing that I I, I started. It's hard to believe that um, started this in June of 2016. So, this unit, it will be six years I will be doing it. Crazy, right? And um, but it's led me to do post traumatic winning, and uh, just uh, just amazing. I I mean I did was up doing it for the Air Force, right? And the Air Force looks at us like we look at them as Marines, right? We look at we look at the Air Force as th- these exotic creatures, right? Like, oh, there they are. Well, that's how they look at us, right? Like, they look at us as these exotic, crannating people. <laughs> and so, um, but they love us. They respect us, you know? And again, one of the things you learn is you, you know, spend time in the American military and you see us like, hey, the Air Force isn't supposed to be the Marine Corps, you know? They're pretty good at what they do. Nobody else in the world does what they do. You know, and that was, my, that was my appreciation of the United States Navy when I, you know, served for two years aboard the USS Ranger, you know, from 1987 to 1989. And, I mean, I got a, I got a great appreciation for what the American Navy uh, used to be able to do. They're not capable of that anymore. Now they're, they're, they're discussing how to get back there. Good question of whether the high-functioning, I don't even know high-functioning, the mid-level confunctioning conformists that come, that wear stars in the American Navy can actually get them back there. I don't, I don't, I don't know if those people are currently, you know, wearing stars. Maybe it's the next level that have lived through this life of bullshit uh, that goes on in the Navy. That when they put on stars, they're going to say, no, 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 we're going to be about excellence. Okay, we're 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 going to be about excellence. You know, my Marine friend sent me this article that this general by the name of Newbold wrote. It's called critical military theory. It's talk about winning the nation's wars, and that has to be primary in everything we do. So anyway, uh, I I digress. But no, you get a great appreciation for what they do, and it's really cool. Uh, Flew back, got in at at 6 in the morning. Colleen, my business partner, right? So I've incentivized Colleen's behavior. Okay, So... um, So, you know, I'll go out and, you know, I'll I'll go speak and, you know, I get paid and all that. So I I tell Colleen, hey, you're my partner. You're my business partner here. You got to take care of the house. You got to take care of the dogs. You've got to take care of you, right? You got to go to work. You got to go to school. And, And let me just tell you, she went back to school this week for the first time in two fucking years. You cannot believe how excited she is. Yesterday, she stayed at school from... 12.30 Twelve thirty till nine thirty at night. Uh, she had like a three hour break between like her first classes and her evening class. She stayed there with with a friend and did homework the whole time. And and you know as a parent, I watched this whole shit show, and uh, you know San Francisco, San Francisco, just threw every school board member out that they could throw out by a recall election. The only reason the other state kept their seats was because they had only been elected for a year and you cannot recall somebody in San Francisco if if they haven't served a year yet. So get ready for the rest of those shitheads to get recalled after, you know, in the fall. But, I mean, and it made me think. I mean, Colleen's a good student. And so she got what she could get out of that Zoom stuff. Imagine if your kid wasn't a good student. And I was talking to an educator last night who lives in Texas, and I said, so what do you do? She said, that will follow them forever. You know, she said, you're right. I said, no, I know what I would have done. I was not interested in school particularly. I was interested in history, you know, and PE. Beyond that, pff, I could have given a shit. And so if I would have sat in my bedroom, right, I would have had my phone next to the monitor that you know I was doing Zoom on, It would have been on ESPN. It would have had my friends on it. I, fuck, I wouldn't have learned shit for two years. Where does that leave me relative to algebra, the sciences, the hard things that you need to learn? That gap in my education. So, yeah, so Colleen, um, so anyway, um, I digress again. So I got back from my last trip. I can't remember where I went. Oh, I was in North Carolina for two weeks. And before I went on this one, I said, okay, um, what do you want that you don't need? And she looked at me. She said, an I watch." I said, okay, go get it. So she, so later on in the day, I said, where are you going to get it? She said, over at Best Buy. I said, why don't you get it at Verizon, where we have our cell phone?" She goes, they only have the new one. And it's more expensive. I said, how much is it? And she told me, I said, go get it. She said, what? I said you heard me, go get it. So she got it and she and she likes it. So um so I um so I, I'm now I'm, I'm incentivizing her behavior. I said every time I go speak, right? You'll get something that you don't need. And she looked at me, she said, "Are you serious?" I said, "Yeah." So I came home and um and came back to the house my saw my dogs Jack and Joe they were fired up and uh, which is always fun your dog always loves you right that's why you have them <laughs> everybody else can be pissed at you fucking Jack and Joe man they love my ass all the time and so uh saw them took a nap woke up and then i was going to run errands right and and i had to do like three things the chair that i sit in that creaks that people bitch at me Montana man rails on me about my chair. He goes, that thing pisses me off so much, Uh And then I, so then I became aware of it, and then I could hear it, right? Like that thing, so. I had to get a chair. Um, I, I needed to get rid of my fucking iPhone that is my that was on my business line. So I grabbed my iPhone. I need to take the truck in, because it's got a strut issue, and somebody gave me an estimate of $2,500, and I have to find out, I'm going to take it to Nissan, right? It's a Nissan truck. I love my truck. It's a Nissan Frontier, 263,000 miles on it, right? And it's been the best car I've ever had. Zero, zero maintenance issues all that time, right? And it's 11 years old, going on 12. So I have an emotional relationship with my truck. And so I want to take it in, have them run their diagnostic shit on me. Give me all the codes they'll give me. They're like, well, you got $10,000 in maintenance. Okay, let me see the priority list on that thing, and I'll snatch it out of their hand. All right, so, and then I'm specifically looking for the strut. What are they? It, a. This, so anyway. Um, so I was going to do that. Going to go to Verizon. So I went to Verizon. I meet this lady. I meet a kid who helped me with Colleen's phone when I moved it from Sprint to Verizon. Who was telling, who, who was talking about, you know, he was struggling. So I, you know, he's asking me what I did, and and uh, and I told him, and he goes, "Could you help me?" <laughs> and I said, "Fuck yeah, man!" So I sent him the video, the first link, and I never heard from him. So I'm 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 in there yesterday. This lady's helping me, and she was fucking awesome. Wait till you hear this. So. And so I see him, and I said, hey, man, what's up? And I get up, and we shake hands. I said, I never heard from you. He said, well, I never got anything. I said, what? So anyway, so I'll take care of that. And uh, But anyway, this lady, I'm thinking, I'm going to get rid of this Apple phone, this iPhone, because they suck. So anyway, and you don't know that because you've never had an Android phone, a good Android phone, which you can do about 10 times more on. But it's okay. I know you... You know, you superficial Apple people. It's a piece of jewelry, essentially. Oh, my iPhone. Yeah, that thing sucks, honestly. Honestly. So, anyway, but it's okay. I'm just telling you, you shiny objects, shallow people, and be careful crossing streets because you're going to get killed staring at something that's shiny and flashy because that's the way you are, and it's okay. We love you anyway. So, anyway, I'm getting rid of that hunk of junk and I figure, okay, I gotta, I'll got i just go down and buy whatever's on sale. I need it for texting or whatever. So she says, do you want to trade this in? I said, yes. And she says, uh, okay, let me see how much we can give you for it. I said, all right. So we're sitting there, and she's doing her thing. And she says, we can give you $700 for this. I said, what? <laughs> she said, we can give you $700. I said, well, how much is like uh, last year's? Best Samsung cell phone. She said about the same, dollars I'm like, and I'm thinking in my head, I'm gonna go sideways for zero. And I thought they were, you know, I thought I was gonna pay something. I'm like, kaboom. So then she says to me, Um, we have a special. I said, What? She said, uh, the Samsung, Samsung watch. She said, We'll give you $250 off of it. I said, Well, how much is it? She said, it's 450. And so I said, yeah, that's okay. I don't need that, you know. But I was intrigued because Colleen loves hers. She says, I love it, that." So anyway, so then she's, like, helping me out. And then she brings out, like, a a wireless charger, the screen protector, uh, a case, a charger, another charger. And she goes, we have a special for all this stuff. I can give you all this stuff for, like, $110. I'm like, yeah, I don't need that. I don't need that. You know, and um, she said, and I just saw something else. We can give you another $100 off the watch. And so I'm thinking, I'm winning the fucking lottery right now, right here in, um, right right here in Verizon on Harbor Boulevard in Orange County in Costa Mesa. And so we're sitting there talking and I said, how do you pronounce your name? And she said, Samda, like Sandra, but Samda. I said, what kind of name is that? She said, well, my mother was um, Costa Rican and my father is from Iraq. I said, we in Iraq. I said, I've been there. She said, really? I said, yeah. She said, he came when he was 18 which always fascinates me, right? Leaving your country when you're 18 years old. My grandfather left Ireland when he was 16, gets on a boat, right? My kids won't even watch TV by themselves when they're 16, right? Where's everybody, right? So anyway, those stories fascinate me. So anyway, we are talking and, um, and she keeps giving me shit. I'm like, I'm gonna stay here all night until they stop, right? So I walk out of there. I paid like 150 bucks for a new phone, a watch, and all this other shit. And I'm like, man, I got to go to Vegas. Today's my lucky day. So I went and I bought a chair that doesn't creak. See, I'm even rocking it right now. You don't even know it. So I did that. And then I went by the service place of my truck. It was closed. Now, as I'm going through my day, I get four different inquiries about post-traumatic winning. Crazy. Crazy. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And then I said, hey, call me right now. And I said, hey, let me just tell you something, man. Marine officer, I don't know who the fuck you are, but the only people who call me are leaders, people that aren't afraid and want to do something for their Marines. And he's like, I'm really concerned because I've got you know people that are struggling and you know what we're doing doesn't seem to help. And I said, boom. Right. We're going to we're going to fucking change that shit, man. I promise you. I guarantee you. And and, and you know, and I want to and I'm just going to read for you some comments um that came out of the thing I did with Air Force spouses on Thursday. When did I fly? I flew on Thursday. So this this was Wednesday. What the hell, man? Who left that on? That's sitting in my new charger stand, which I like. I have one that's a coaster. Yeah. So I took a coaster and I put like one of those things, those suction things you put in your car. Yeah. I have that on top of a 3-5 coaster. Yeah. Get some. Yeah, that's and so that leads into a hole I drilled into my desk. And it has two, it has a, an electrical thing. And it also has a uh, another plug that takes the phone call and will put it into um, this recording console. So I need that for work. Um, and then this other wireless thing—it's just—it's so you don't have to plug anything in. You just put your thing on the cradle. So I like that. I got that yesterday. Yeah, from my girl Samda, mm-hmm. who's half Iraqi. So anyway, let me just read you this stuff, okay? Um. This is from one person. This has been so good, and I can't thank you enough for hosting this call for all of us today and all that you did yesterday for our spouses. As a spouse and also someone with personal trauma, thank you, exclamation mark. Good. Okay. Another one. Just wanted to say thank you, exclamation mark. My husband gained a lot, and that's why I wanted to take the class as well. I appreciate your time. Here's another one. My husband and I—now these are Air Force spouses, right? Marines—they're like nah, not so much, right? Uh, my husband and I were texting back and forth about the impact this has had for us after he attended your class yesterday and mentioned I could today. Cannot thank you enough! Exclamation mark! I recently reached out to try to seek a counseling for, for past trauma, but weeks have gone by with no return call, feeling brushed off. Like what often happens with our PCMs, I didn't know what PCMs are around the country. I feel like I gained weeks, maybe even maybe months, even of help from your class today. Thank you so much. Here's another one. You weren't kidding about our generation, right? That's been told that nobody cares about your feelings and should just block them out. Thank you, Devil Dog. How about that from an Air Force spouse? She's she speaks the language. She knows how to abla. Yeah, kaboom. Uh, here's another one. I'm a health coach, and take on a lot of mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, and take a lot on mentally, emotionally, emotionally, and spiritually with helping my clients with their new experiences, with their own traumatic experiences which led me to seeing I need to seek someone more than just my own health coach. Thank you, Mac. It means so much to me, and I will definitely reach out to you. Uh, here's another one. There's a couple more that then, uh, then I want to do the news. You know, because honestly, I miss doing this. But, I mean, uh, post-traumatic winning is unlike any experience in my life. It's just, just, a, it's just the best, the most amazing experience. I am so glad I did this today. My husband was telling me about it and how he wished he could have heard this message in high school. I have struggled in the past with many things and would just bottle it up. I didn't start feeling better until I started talking to my husband and friends. Right? Um, again. Here's, here's the last one. I honestly appreciate your approach i feel like there's a lot of self-help goodness out there but sometimes it gets too fluffy or abstract so i like your concepts are really concrete yeah so i mean and that's from spouses so i took that and i sanitized i took everybody's names out and i and i'm going up to you know to to work with the army next week so i sent it to them i said this is from spouses Right, they got interested because of what their husbands said when they came home, or their wives said said when they came home. You know. So anyway, if you can't tell, I'm moderately fired up. And so I said to the, to the people that started reaching out to me yesterday, I said, Hey, l- let me let me send this to you. And this is what you're going to unleash in your organization. And so it was it was so yesterday was was really cool. <laughs> it was really cool. And uh, and so I'll be around. I fly out on Sunday. Get to have dinner with Napa Man and his family in, in Wisconsin. I'm fired the fuck up about that. Um, and let me tell you why. See, Napa Man is born to be morbidly obese. When he sees food, he has an emotional reaction to it. Okay? And when I say morbidly obese, I mean like, Napman, at some point, will tip the scales at four hundred unless he fundamentally changes his life. He's gonna be a big boy, right? And so, when you go eat at his house, oh my God, man, the food is awesome. The food is awesome. In fact, he tells this weird story about his dad. Like, if you asked, like, his dad for food off his plate, like, that was like a, that was like a thing, man. You couldn't do that. Cause he and (laughs) I think we were eating one night and he begins to tell us a story about yeah, I don't like that. Like this it's this like quirky, like weird ass Napa thing. Like, you know how animals, when they're eating something, if you go near them, you'll hear them snarl, and another animal, yeah, that's how they are. The prima Napa Napa family. Don't Don't mess with my food. Yeah. So anyway um yeah i'm excited so i go to wisconsin and then i think i'm going to germany of all places <laughs> how about that so um yeah i miss doing this uh i miss uh, i miss the that this par- part of the program i miss uh i'm doing the news a little bit although my life is better now that i don't watch it so much so uh good morning on this friday whitney houston the Mensa brothers is gonna join me we did one of. Uh, let me just tell you about the segment you're gonna hear. It's horrible, yeah. And I cut it up. It was one of the worst things we've ever done. And I just kept them talking, thinking if they talk long enough, I'll get something out of this, sh- out of this shit that I could use. Um, and then we'll call me and said that was awful, and I went, yeah, I know. But it's also funny. So you're gonna hear us talk about. A whole bunch of stuff um places that we want to visit right and that's also that's interesting like of all the places because we've all been around the world a little bit um and um so we talk about things we haven't seen that we want to see we'll talk a little bit about the Ukraine we'll talk about funerals and eulogies where we want to be buried right and then I throw my idea of like Recording your own eulogy, uh, which, yeah, putting the fun back in funeral, all Marine Radio. So anyway, yeah, I can help you do it if you need help. Do your own eulogy, just an MP3, then put it on. Take a take the speaker, the Bluetooth speaker, up to the uh, up to up to the uh, up to the podium. Turn the microphone on and let it rip. Hey everybody, thanks for coming today. Yeah, to my funeral. Happy everybody got here. You know, I hope you drive safe, you know, everybody. No reason for anybody else to be dead. <laughs> right. It's funny stuff. And then you talk about your kids, talk about your wife, talk about, you know. You say the things you want to say. A little inspiration on the way out. Come on, leave them laughing. So anyway, I throw that out there. You'll get to hear them react to that. Then we talk about wisdom. Talk about wisdom. Where does wisdom come from? Um, and, and this thing that we, we do here, I mean, and I think one of the things that people like about it, it, it goes from really stupid to really smart, really fast. And I have always loved that. It's one of the things I love about my friends. Uh, they tend to be smart and funny and ridiculously stupid at times, but that's what I love about it. I love that. Right. i love that. And people that have the intellectual dexterity to go from. Some people only do smart. Some people only do stupid. My friends, they service both targets. And I love about that. I love them about it. Because in the middle of this intellectual conversation, they can do, they, they'll like fire stupid at you. And I just think it's funny as hell. So anyway, and then we talk about conspiracy theories. Yeah. Everything from JFK's assassination to Bigfoot to the lockstep, to the lock neck. <laughs> To the Loch Ness monster, do you believe or not, and why? So that's in your future. Now, with that said, I'll go through a few headlines. Uh, Whitney Houston makes this morning official. I'm even going to do the weather. I'm and and I'm a hey, and I'm fired the fuck up about it. So uh, good morning to you. Whitney Houston makes it official. tragic life, but she she sang the shit out of that. Text message, did you get to watch the Super Bowl? Not a second of it. Not a second of it. And honestly, didn't miss it. The fucking Rams were playing. Who gives a shit about that? Yeah. Another one. So you have a smartwatch now? I do. I got it for a hundred bucks. Yeah, they gave it to me. So I'm testing it out. I don't know if I like it. I liked it already though once today. I was under my desk, wiring uh, the the charger in that was gonna be on top of the desk, and my alarm went off to wake up at zero six, but I was already up, I was already in here, and then my watch vibrate, and I hit shut it off. I didn't have to get out and do that, so. That was good, positive impact on my life. So, um this is dedicated to people who I met this week, and um, I, I, I have to tell you, I mean, I had an absolute fantastic time with the officers, the senior NCOs, and uh, the airmen of the uh, third operational support group up in, uh, up in Anchorage. Uh, what do they do? Well, the Air Force needs uh, airfields, right, around the world. Not all of them we own. So we go and we take over one and these uh, men and women go there and they set everything up, which facilitates us doing what we do, the airheads that we, you know, we do. So, um, yeah, it's them. And uh, and so for a lot of them, it's a collateral, you know, it's a it's their their maintainers or air traffic controllers or security people, their ops people. You know, all of that in in the squadron. And uh, CO's uh, F-22 guy. Uh, The XO, I think, is a, you know, F-16 guy. Um, I met C-17 pilots. And again, C-17 pilots, man. Everything we do in this nation, they're a part of. A lot of them are Air National Guard people, activated. And then, you know, we need C-17s in Afghanistan. Yeah. They're coming out of Alaska, flying into, you know, anchor, flying out of uh, Alaska, flying into wherever, right? And so you can imagine what, you know, when people get moved from North Carolina to uh, Eastern Europe or, or Central Europe. Um, yeah, it's people, you know, it's Air National Guard people, a lot of them in C-17s that are flying. So anyway, uh, this is dedicated to, uh, to those men and women uh, members of the United States Air Force and uh I just uh I just had a, an awesome time up there and uh and so uh so uh, thank you very much for the experience I had and uh their uh their logo is the wolf. They have one in the in the in the uh yeah the wolf in the uh on the what we would call the quarter deck of their C P yeah, it's no shit fucking stuffed wolf, man. I walked in, I'm like, oh, what's that? He said, That's a wolf, man. That's an Alaskan wolf. And so uh, anyway, uh, their motto is uh, send in the wolf. And so again, uh, just an awesome week up there in Alaska. I hope to go back. And uh, and uh, so this is dedicated, uh, dedicated to them. Thank you. <laughs>
1: challenging conditions and odds to win. You gotta
3: win.
0: I haven't said this in a while. Time to check the weather around Marineland. Currently partly sunny in Quantico. Yeah, home of my second grandson and my first grandson, and my daughter-in-law and my son-in-law. Everybody doing good, so that's good. Uh, Claudian sixty-seven, the Marine Corps Air Station Cherry Point, home of the finest Air Wing, United States Marine Corps. Boom, bitches. There you go. Uh, sunny and fifty-one, Marine Corps Base Twenty-nine Palms. Cold here in California. It's forty-five here this morning. Me out here in my garage. <laughs> um. Yeah, my new watch told me that. Um, Camp Pendleton is sunny in 57. Camp Smith in Hawaii, dark cloudy 68. Okinawa, dark cloudy 63. Manila, dark cloudy 79. And Darwin, ooh, cold in Darwin. Dark cloudy in 79 in Darwin. Currently at the home of All Marine Radio. The Costa Mesa, Newport Beach area of Southern California. It is sunny in 52. Right Today looking for a high of... 72. Kaboom! <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. 68 tomorrow. 64 on Saturday. 63 on Monday. 59 on Tuesday. I will be in Wisconsin. So, whatever. How about the 10 day forecast? When I come home, what's going to be like? I'm not into this cold weather bullshit so much. Yeah. Like, I don't know who thinks that's a good idea. I do not. All right, so I get back next Friday, I think. I think on Friday it will be uh, sixty-eight. Saturday seventy-two. Sunday seventy-three. And the next week, all in the seventies. That's the exact. So this is like winter; its last throws in California. So that's good, and I'll be up in Wisconsin. So, so you got that going for you. I don't know, like, I'm not going to do too much news today, but I always start with Stars and Stripes. What do you think this top headline in Stars and Stripes is? Kremlin declares nuclear drills as Ukrainian rebels evacuate civilians to Russia. Russia announced massive drills of its nuclear forces amid soaring east-west tensions and as the U.S. issued some of its starkest, most detailed warnings yet about how a Russian invasion of Ukraine might unfold. Um, And again, you know, we're watching and listening to everything they're doing, okay? And you've got this information war going on already. Um, So that in the news. And then, you know, Vladimir Putin still attempting to scare everybody. I think and get what he can get, which is a good question. So, the fact that Germany stayed close to uh, the NATO alliance is, uh, is is I think is is surprising and it's good, um, and it and it makes Vladimir Putin's choices less. So, so here's Max's prediction after watching this. You know, he doesn't want to roll the dice on a major invasion of Ukraine, so he will do something cleave off a little slice, some more marginal territory, but he will not expose himself to the risk of doing something larger with a relatively small number of troops. And again, you know, if you, if you haven't heard us talk about that, you know, we had 135,000 in Iraq and, and, and the only places we, we dominated were places that we concentrated in. Other than that, they came and went as they want. They did what they wanted. Because we just did not have enough, right? We just did not have enough. So, uh, so that's my prediction. He'll do something. It will be relatively small, because he will not want to. Um, he will not want to roll the dice on that. Um, so that's Stars and Stripes. Uh, Top story in the Wall Street Journal today, which is normally my path. Top headline. Separatist leaders in East Ukraine urge civilians to evacuate Russia. So these are the leaders in Ukraine that want Ukraine to be part of Russia. They're telling the people in their areas, you need to leave. Hmm. Hmm. Where would they get such information? Oh, maybe the people that tell them what to do. Holy smokes. Um, so there's a story here. Canada going through some interesting stuff, right? Trucker strike, right? Civil discourse in a nation, right? People getting really tired of the bullshit they see associated with the whole COVID event. Uh, and you're seeing some crazy stuff, right? People donating to that cause, right? The organizations that control that money, right? Refusing to to, to allow it to go to them. The president, and the, what, whatever he's called, prime minister of Canada, Mr. Trudeau. I mean, the stuff he said, calling them, you know, what do you call them, Nazis and shit? And then invoking emergency powers, and again, I don't think you have to you know, in order to open up highways, you don't have to do anything too draconian. I mean, you can you can get that done. But Canada's having a little bit of a uh a little bit of a an event up there. So I think it's interesting and merits keeping your eye on. I think he's vastly overstepped his powers. So um yeah, this whole idea of freedom. Will has an interesting thought about that. Who's interested in freedom and free speech and things like that? Top story in the New York Times, Russia raises Ukraine tensions with drills and more troops. The United States says now that Russia has not 125, but close to 200,000 troops on the border. In and around Ukraine. Next headline. U.S. warned that artillery exchanges in eastern Ukraine may presage a Russian invasion. Uh, That is almost certainly uh, the case. And here's an opinion piece. Is Putin a crafty strategist or an aggrieved and reckless leader? I think he's a crafty strategist until Germany stays a part of NATO and doesn't, and, and doesn't um, and stays in the fold. Now it's like, okay, it ain't working. How do I get myself out of this? How do I extricate myself from this? Other interesting story in the New York Times today, Yeah, if you can imagine me saying such a thing, is this. Bots and fake account push China's version of Winter Olympic Wonderland. So China decimating social media with bots, right? and fake accounts pushing false narratives in order to dominate the social media landscape. Right? Crazy. Crazy. So, uh, yeah, you have it. China managing, you know, the world's opinion, much like it did with COVID. Yeah, you don't think the uh, the same strategies were used to control or attempt to control and influence Western media operations? Uh, Pacific Fleet Commanding General Paparo, U.S.-Japan joint naval operations are key to Pacific security. Uh, That's called a firm grasp of the obvious. Updated story, four chiefs and an ensign facing charges over the release of the USS Carl Vinson F-35C crash video. Now, let me tell you a problem. And you're seeing this relative to the January 6th events. When you live in a digital world, those digits can very, very often, right, be traced. Four senior enlisted sailors and a junior officer are facing charges for their alleged role in releasing government video footage from the aircraft carrier Carl Vinson showing the ramp strike of an F-35C Lightning II Joint strike fighter last month, USNI has learned, USNI News has learned. Following the investigation into the leak of the cell phone video recording the crash from Vincent's pilot landing television, PLAT, the Navy has charged one senior chief, three chiefs, and an ensign with failing to obey a lawful order under Article 93, 92 of the Uniform Code of Military Justice. The Navy spokesman, Commander Zach Harrell, Commander, that would be a Lieutenant Colonel to the rest of you. Harrell would not identify the sailors when asked by U.S.NI News. Yeah, you know, you if you watch the news, the the, the video of it, and you and you have that in your head. The shot was not simply of the screen. There was other things in it, so that I thought somebody's gonna. Find these people, right? Somebody's going to find these people. So, um, yeah, not a big shock, that headline. Interesting, though. Uh, Marine Corps separations relative to the COVID vaccine have gone over 600. My favorite title in anybody's DOD is the, the Brits have it. The first lord of the sea. Yeah. UK Royal Navy will keep persist a persistent presence in the Pacific. Nice. As they should. I hope the UK, Japan, Australia, France, right? I hope they all see the need and will at some point influence Germany. And you know what? Only fools believe that history will not repeat themselves itself and that we we will not see conflict in the future. And the surest way to deter conflict, as General Newbold said, is with a certain outcome, right? And that is peace and stability through strength. And most of these nations have slowly but surely allowed their militaries to atrophy because the United States has been the guarantor of all that. So anyway, interesting article in, US, in USNI News. Headline, Coast Guard Struggling with Southern California Coastal Awareness Gap as Maritime Smuggling Rises. And there's a picture of, I think it's pot, stacked up like you're looking at, um, I don't know, on a pier. Bales of it. Yeah. So... um That's USNI news. Let me see. Top story. In Marine Corps Times. Is this. The Marine Corps is not moving fast enough to face China. Even though it is moving fast. So, um, these are quotes from Lieutenant General Carson Heckel. And let me tell you this I've met General Heckel. He's a man, okay? And I talk about high function conformists. He's not one of them, okay? Quote If anybody thinks we're moving fast enough, you're crazy. As I said, he's no bullshit, right? I would say we need to double down on our efforts and figure out a way to move quicker. Let me see if there's any further co- quote. My commandant has stepped off at speed, Heckle said on Wednesday. We are moving very, very quickly, and I assure you there will be no let up on the accelerator. What I'm looking for is a certain is getting certain different capabilities in the hands of the operators and letting them to begin to experiment, Heckel said. He also added that continuing resolutions risk risk slowing down the progress that the Marine Corps is making. We need some stable, predictable funding, Heckel said. He went on to voice his concerns over that military development tends to lead to over-engineering at the cost of development speed. Quote, if we continue to over-engineer, over-cost everything, and over-schedule everything, the Chinese are just going to get further and further ahead of us. Yeah, you could read that in Marine Corps Times. General Carson Heckel. Yeah, let me tell you, uh, General Heckel, smart, not afraid to do the right thing, and um, and and you know again you see this speaking truth to power even at the detriment of your own uh, career, uh, General Heckel when he was at Mar Force's PAC, he's the new deputy common, commandant for combat development and integrate and integration, right? Called CDI in the Marine Corps. Um, he was uh, CG of uh, FMF PAC. Right? No, he was CG of one meth when the Amtrak went down, and uh, and he recommended that Colonel Bronzy not be relieved. Okay, and let me tell you, and that's not a popular thing to do is to is to tell the truth like that. But but that was the right thing to do. And I don't say that because Chris Bronzy is my friend. I would say that about any officer in that position. Right. And I said it at the time, and I'll say it again. If Chris Bronzy should, was relieved, right, then clearly Bob Cassellby should have been relieved and Jody Osterman should have been relieved too. And they're both friends of mine. But if that's the standard we're going to apply, then apply it and lay the wood to everybody. And when it wasn't done like that, General, you know, General Heckle's recommendation was Chris Bronzy is not culpable in this thing. And again, you just don't find many officers at that level willing to stick their neck out and do that kind of shit. So Carson Heckle, I mean Marine Corps, like he's he's the real deal, man. He's no bullshit. So so good to see that. I'm a fan. In case you can't tell. And again, I'm a fan because I've seen him. Right? When telling the truth means you know you're you know it's going to get you in trouble. When sticking your neck out risks your future advancement, he does it. And that's what General Newbold is talking about. All right, so that in the news. And then let me do the top five stories in early bird, and then you'll get to hear the Mensa brothers, which I know you're all dying to hear. If you can believe that. Um, yeah, I can. Top story. Could the Supreme Court strike down the military's vaccination mandate? I believe they can. Right? Multiple lawsuits are arguing that the military is blanketly refusing religious exemptions for the COVID vaccine. So, anyway, you're seeing other federal judges. And let me tell you, as far as I'm concerned, I I've taken so many shots in my life, I didn't ask shit about them. And I mean, so I I just go, they call me, the VA will call me. "Hey, we have a booster. Will you come in?" I'm like, "Fuck yeah, man." I've never asked about a shot in my life. So maybe that's stupid, but whatever. Um that's me. But again, um Discharging people for a virus whose mortality is zero? Again, in the DOD, once somebody tells you what to do and it becomes a lawful order and you refuse, then to me, you should get the door. Question is, was it a lawful order? Um. Next, U.S. allies watch for Russian attempts to justify a Ukrainian invasion. And so this is the information operation shit that you're seeing, which is very interesting. Because information operations... Um, used to be kind of a nuanced thing. Now we're talking about the ability to to influence global thought on an instantaneous basis. And you're going to see the United States do this. As they begin to see tanks and shit move into attack positions, you're going to see it live streamed. I would tell you you're going to see it on video as as the United States and its allies show the world that – that this is all going to happen on a false pretext. Vladimir Putin is going to stage this event and you're going to see it real time. So it's going to be interesting to watch in my opinion. Okay. So, um, and again, the way it will be used is there'll be, and you saw this story, I don't know, two or three weeks ago that the Russians were looking to videotape some contrived provocation and then use that as a justification, uh, to invade Ukraine. So, you're going to see a version of that, and some we cannot stand this anymore, which is what he did last time uh, in Crimea. Um, next story: hunger crisis in Afghanistan spurs U.S. veterans to reprise efforts to sit, to help save lives. Again, the Taliban won. You know why is the United States on the hook for their humanitarian issue? We lost. Congratulations, you won. And it's your policies that have other nations not wanting to work with you. So now the United States is going to go rescue the Taliban government? I don't know. I don't think that's right, man. Let the UN deal with that shit. Not the United States. And if individuals want to be a part of it, which the story is about, I get that. I understand. Right? And I'm certainly not for the humanitarian crisis. But you won. You you know, we saw the parade, man. We also saw the, ca- the American caskets that came home. So you, now you want our help to sustain your government? Fuck you, man. Yeah, that's how I feel. Sorry about that. Marines and sailors with PTSD or other trauma to have their discharges upgraded and their cases re-examined. So now that we're older, wiser, and more gentler, we're taking a different view when people came back. And um, and struggled. A lot of them going undiagnosed. Uh, getting other than honorable, dishonorable discharges. And, and let me just say this. A lot of them went to look for help. And the help they got was not very good. Because whether you understand this or not, the DOD is the low bid for mental health. Okay? So you get what you get. And those people is, are trying as hard as they get as they can, but you take that community of people and you overwhelm them with cases. And it's not going to be very good. And it's not I mean and, and and a routine story is, you know, I get out and this is the VA. I'm struggling. You know, I go, I talk to somebody. The next time I go back next month, I talk to somebody else. The next time I go back next month, I talk to somebody else. And then I say, fuck it. I'm not going to go tell my story for the fourth time to somebody new and they quit going. Yeah. Anyway. Um, The last story. We are alarmed. Lawmakers seek answers to troubling Walter Reed base barracks conditions. A recent Navy Times investigation revealed that junior service members had lived without adequate hot water in buildings for years and had also dealt with broken air conditioning and faulty door locks issued issues the Navy knew about. Let me tell you, social media and quality of life Not so good. All right. Now, um, coming up next are the Mensa Brothers. And like I said, this is one of the I wasn't real pleased with I wasn't real pleased with this effort with this effort. And so we just kept talking until I thought, well, you know, I could pull something out of this this pile. And um so yeah, you're gonna hear a little a little bit of potpourri today. Um, but they're always funny and, uh, and they're always smart, uh, sometimes like this. I don't know. This is just, I mean, last week's with General Newbold, I thought was awesome. This week's not so much. Okay. Not so much. So, um, without further ado, my friends known to most of you as the Mensa brothers here on a uh, Friday edition of All Marine Radio And uh, good to be back here live. Uh, It's one of the things I I love um, and uh, a privilege for me to bring them to you. So until I do this again, um, I'm trying to do this three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, Not always successful with the Wednesday event, uh, but uh, Grant's been uh, awesome in terms of being supportive uh, with my schedule. And uh, so um, that's my object. So, at a minimum, I think you should hear Monday and Friday. And so, without further ado, here they are. Uh, It is Friday, and so uh, joining me are the Mensa brothers uh, from uh, first, in order of precedence, uh, Jeff Kenny from, uh, I think, Southern California. It's doing the work work, so he should be there. So, Jeff, how are you?
4: I'm good, and you guessed it right. Cause I move around like a shuffleboard and yeah, I am here in Southern California uh, and a mystery, man. You got it. Man.
0: <laughs> and from McAllen, Texas, Tim Lynch, Tim, how are you
2: doing? great, Matt. Thanks. How's the, how's the great white North for you?
0: Uh, snow and fog. You yeah, haven't seen much of it. Um, so it's snowed the whole time, but, um, but it's been, it's been awesome, man. I, I, I lived a, a charm, I lived a charm, I live a charm life, so uh, they were excited to, to, for me to come up here, and then, um, and, and it's really funny when they introduce me, I'll get to, I haven't forgotten Will, but um, they're like, now you're going to hear a little bit of salty language, because this is the way Marines talk, and I said I, can do I said, I can do it without the F word, is that what you want? And they're like no just do it like you normally do. I said okay you'll get the way you normally do it then. But uh and I and I and I and I give him I give him grief. I say, "You know, Air Force people, you you guys are like exotic creatures to us. Like we see you and they're like, oh, there's the Air Force, man. Where are they going?" I don't know, but all those big trucks are moving a lot of air conditioners. Where are we going? Oh, we're going we're going that <laughs> we're going that way. Where? But uh no, it's been it's been I wish I could see more of uh, Alaska um, uh, because you hear so much about it, but I haven't seen shit. And uh, But anyway, it's been good. Thank you. And from the greater Kansas City area, Will Costantini. Costantini. Close? Excellent. Excellent. Costantini.
1: All's well here. Yeah, all's well here. 65 degrees this morning, six inches of snow tomorrow morning. It's the Midwest.
0: So we, I mean, as a New Yorker, um, uh, do you enjoy like the uh, the climate swings and shifts of the, of the Midwest? Do you enjoy that, or
1: no? I hate it. <laughs> I, 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 you know, after you live in Florida for like two winters, you realize that the seasons are highly overrated. You know, Jacksonville, Florida.
2: You know, I hate it.
1: That's the thing. <laughs> Yeah, the, in Jacksonville, Florida, the first day of spring was February 1st. That's my kind of climate right there. So,
0: oh, funny. Uh, let's talk. Since I'm up in Alaska, um, we'll go around one time. Is there a place that you haven't visited on the planet that you would like to go? Jeffrey?
4: Yeah, I'd like to go to uh to, uh, Atu, to that battlefield. Attu? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Got it. Will?
1: Uh, Wow, I'm thinking really hard. Because I've been really lucky. Um, Uh, You shouldn't do that, now. I, you know, I think that I would like to, well, there's actually two places. I would like to go to East Africa, like when the wildebeest are running, and see that. And I would like to see South Africa. Um, it's really two of the few places I haven't been in the world.
0: Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Yeah. Hey Jeff, do you not we ha- do you not to... have your headset on? Because we're hearing ourselves, and you sound like shit. No, I got
4: my headset on. I
2: thought you meant you are talking about where you want to be in Alaska. No. It's not where I want to be in the world. Hey, I don't. I don't think.
0: I don't think your head. You. I don't think you're using the headset microphone Because something it. changed. Some
4: that should be better. Yes. Okay.
0: I don't know what happened, but turn
4: it around, that's all. <laughs> oh oh sorry.
0: Well, that works. Okay, so but
4: yeah. We'll not... Start over to Okay. We're, I mean,
0: go- no, hey, no. we're gonna start over. So all right, so since I'm up traveling, travel question for you. Any place in the world that you that you have yet to go to that you'd like to go to, the number one place is Jeffrey?
4: Yeah, I'd like to go to uh, to Kenya. I have never been there. Why in Africa, Kenya? Because uh, I've read a lot about it. It's you know an interesting place. I've I've been a lot. I spent a lot of time in West Africa in my life, but not too much time in East Africa. I've been in Djibouti, but you know you couldn't leave the base then, and so forth. But I like to go to Kenya and, and move around a little bit. You know, interesting. That's my yeah, but uh, I'm not interested in uh, the great capitals of Europe and stuff. I could give a shit, you know what I mean? But uh, those back-and-beyond places, they interest me. And that, and the leading one would be like uh, the Kenya-Rwanda area, you know?
0: Got it. Got it. Will? Will is probably the <laughs> most traveled uh, member of the four of us. Yes, Will? You had a chance to do it professionally.
1: Yeah, I've... I've really been to a lot of places. I, I've been to like 60 different countries, uh, and all over Europe, Middle East, New Zealand, Australia, um, a little bit of West Africa, all across North Africa. Um, not a lot in South America. And, you know, Jeff took mine. I, I would actually like to see, uh, the Serengeti, you know, uh, when the wildebeest are running and all that kind of stuff. And the other place I would like, mostly I think because of a couple of the books that I've just read recently about the Zulu Wars would be South Africa. I've never been down there. Um, It just seems like really scenic uh, country uh, down there. And uh, it's just, it's really far away. Just, uh, you know, very unlikely I'll ever go, but I would like to go there.
0: Interesting, Tim. How about you? Yeah,
1: yeah. I I had
4: the same. I've been all over those places too. Same feeling. Especially. I mean, I lived in Iran for a year. You know. I mean, you can't beat it. Yeah. How crazy is that? I
2: I had a thing when I was a teenager about the Inca Incas, and I've always wanted to see Peru since I was a teenager. It's one of the, and I've never even made it to Central or South America. That would be where I would like to like to go if
0: I had a, a choice. Was to Peru. Where where in Peru? Any places? In-
2: well, well, I I would like to go to some of the more obscure Inca ruins. the The one that was discovered most recently, I think it was in the fifties, is now just a constant stream of tourists. It was a I forget the name of that one town that's the most popular tourist destination, but I, I wouldn't want to go there because it's the most popular tourist destination. But there's a lot of obscure, more significant. Uh, um, ruins out there, and I'd, I'd like to go poking around in them and and uh, and experience that place. That's I understand it's hauntingly beautiful, just like South Africa or parts of it. And uh, I've always wanted to go there. It's so one <coughs> one continent I've never set foot on besides Antarctica.
0: Yeah. Um. In in a direct slap across Jeff's face, I want to go to Rome. That's a good place to go.
4: That's
0: <laughs>
3: like,
5: oh, cool. No, you I mean, know, I just
0: tell you what. No, and and I I've, I've never spent any time in in Europe other than flying over it to go to Iraq and Afghanistan and and uh I've never been to the great I've never been near the great capitals of Europe and uh and I guess uh, to me the place to start if you're Catholic is you got to go to Rome and uh but I've heard great things about it, you know, the food and and uh, the sights and things like that. So I I I would I would go to I would want to go. choice, I would want to go. i never been there. you've never been to Rome?
4: No, I've never been to Rome. I've been in Naples <laughs> and a shitload of time, Sicily and fucking Sardinia. I mean, the greatest training area in the world, you know. But uh, no, I have never been to Rome, and my buddies have gone there. I mean, I I remember uh, when we went to Naples. A bunch of Marines from uh the Mew I was with uh ninety six. They went to uh they went and saw the Pope. The who's the Polish Pope? Pope uh I'm such a bad Catholic man.
1: John Paul II. Pope.
4: Yeah. And uh we had uh you know, our chaplain, battalion chaplain was a Polish American with a Polish accent. Ed uh Tracek was his name. And uh he organized it. He took a bunch of guys up there, he took like uh bunch of friends of mine and um he took mel 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 went to see the pope and when they got there the pope gave his little thing and he came down amongst the crowd and they're passing out these like little prayer cards or little missiles that the pope blessed and we had this guy who was a FAC who was attached to our Hilo company mel's company as a matter of fact and he was a sacrilegious guy and he uh he was always breaking the balls of our chaplain, you know, and uh, he was a pilot, He's a 46 pilot, Hispanic guy, good guy, but, you know, other than that, and uh, the last missile they're handing out, Ed is about to grab grab at our chaplain, and, and Herman was the guy's name. He snatches it away from him, and Ed says, God damn it, and the Pope swirls around and drills, looks him right in the eye from five feet away. <laughs> I mean, here's our Catholic priest said "God damn it" to the Pope. His hero, you know, and uh, it was a legend in 'two two, you know. It was like when Ed said "God damn it" to the Pope. I, I had we should we could have used your Mac. Ed was gonna kill himself. You know, I mean, uh, he thought he was gonna jump off the fucking LSD. He was on my ship, you know, because there was no room for him in the big deck. He said "God damn it" to the to the Pope. They're both Pollocks. They glared at, they knew. I think they knew. They did the Polak eye thing. They knew. They're both Krakow motherfuckers, man. And they just fucking, and he knew. He said, God damn it to the fucking Pope in Rome because of fucking Herman. Herman the bastard. Yeah, that's what I remember about that. That happened. <laughs>
0: You know, the best part of that story is that it's, is that it's true. Yes. Right? He's not making yes. a little bit of it up.
4: I didn't ask Mel. Ask, uh, like, Jack O'Toole or you know any other Catholic <laughs> fucking lieutenant who went up there. It was fucking amazing, man.
2: <laughs> man, man, man. That might be one of the best stories he's ever come up with.
4: <laughs> well they i don't come up they come to me man i'm like you got to shit me what was i doing pt in their naples talking
0: yeah about why didn't why don't you, you go the um no nah, i mean i've uh i always wanted to go and so uh and so yeah that, that yeah that, go there
1: in like may and june and the weather's beautiful rome is yeah. beautiful that time of year what
0: is, uh, what is uh what is uh What's the greatest thing to see in Rome? Will?
1: oh yeah, the the whole Vatican, Sistine Chapel. You know, you, I, I remember we went the first time, and it was uh, well, it was on that deployment. Me and Jeff were on eighty nine. We went up there, and you walk through uh, St. Peter's Square there, and you go up the steps, and the Swiss Guards are up there, and they're interesting guys because they can look at you and they know what language to talk to you in. Wow, but we went up and it was, it was closed. It, it had closed at whatever, four or five, and we were there at 10 after. And so we talked to them for a minute and I remember turning around. And so it's, it's later in the afternoon, very early in the evening in May in Rome. And when you turn around on the steps of the Vatican, St. Peter's square is just huge. And then there's a four six lane Avenue that runs out of it and. uh, you know, the sun is is still a little bit high and the weather's perfect. I'm like, this is one of the all-time great views in the world. And then we went in the next day and uh, the Sistine Chapel was still being worked on then, but you could go into it. And you could sit there and just lean your head back and look at that ceiling for hours. Uh, It's stunning. The whole thing is just stunning. Michelangelo, man, can't beat him. Yeah, I mean, I... I've been to Rome maybe three or four times as a tourist kind of a thing. And, uh, I mean, I like there's a lot of street scene there I like. You know, same with London, same with Berlin, same with Paris. Just the street scene. And uh, I'll never forget one time, in fact, uh, me and Kerry were there. I was in Iraq with the UN and took leave, and we actually met in Rome and she flew from the US i flew there and we got in our hotel and i think we got in on a saturday and sunday morning uh we were on like the third floor no air conditioning <coughs> in the building uh so we had the window open and uh there's a woman outside yelling at somebody so we both looked out our window and it's this italian family one in the baby carriage the guys carrying one kid they're all dressed to the nines going to church And this woman is just wearing him out. And I got to tell you something. Italian spoken by an angry woman is a very lyrical (laughs) language. I mean, it was really entertaining. And no idea, you know, for for all we know, I have no idea what it was all about. But it was like, yeah, I really I like I've traveled extensively through Europe. I like all kinds of it. To the point that I'm just not interested in going back anymore, you know, but Rome is a great place. And what Will's not telling you is when he went and saw
4: the Sistine Chapel that time, half the officers and half the company was in hack because we (laughs) fucked up in uh, Anzio, (laughs) a.k.a. Nettuno, Italy. But uh, that's a story for another podcast, I think. (laughs) We were in hack. We couldn't leave the ship. We fucked up pretty bad. He's
0: laughing because he knows. Have you ever... um, So you were in Hack then. Um, The whole carrier battle group got put in Hack in Sasebo. We had been at sea, I don't know, for two months. And then they put us into Sasebo. There's no hookers. There's no bar district. I mean, it's like... um, Right, and they're in like... Whatever Japanese version of Mister Steak, like, and somebody pro- <laughs> somebody propositioned the mayor's wife. Hey, how much? Right, and so yeah. then so w- then it was it was stupid. It was stupid. So they put the whole carrier battle group back on. Everybody's on. The, get on the ship. Stay there. And then we had a we we had ba- on base libo, and they drank, and so they they drank the package store dry. And then we had a riot. <laughs> then we had a riot. The Marquette softball team was playing, and this riot starts in this concert at, on, a, on an adjacent field where they're having this concert, right? So there's some Japanese band, and they it, it's one of those things that you see in the world that's always amusing. They don't speak English, but they're singing Elvis songs and the Beatles and shit like sure. that. Oh,
4: yeah.
1: Sure. <laughs> you're just like, what the fuck? Oh, yeah. It's
4: and like so, the Elvis rest stop in Israel.
1: Yeah, for <laughs> sure. You're right.
0: Yeah, Remember that, Will? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> they don't speak English and they sing English to play English music. And I saw, I saw this guy get hit maybe as hard as I've ever seen a guy get hit with a punch kid wearing a cowboy hat. And, uh, and this fight starts and we're playing softball and we're looking and watching the fight. And, uh, and so the Marines are looking at me like, should we go over there? I'm like, no, leave those idiots alone. All right, we'll stay here and play. And so, um, this guy, like, he reaches back like a cartoon punch, and like drops his right hand down by his hip, and this guy turns around and he hits him so hard like a cartoon punch, and he this guy goes down boom, like a uh, like a ton of bricks, and uh, and then we got sent back to the ship a second time, and then we never got off him. So uh, yeah, yeah, it was not. It's a whole was, other podcast on it? it. Yeah, it was great, not a
4: great famous famous, like the, one of the most famous ones is one we, none of us ever saw, but we all heard about when Dave, Dave Furness's battalion, when he was the second lieutenant, they were attacked by the, uh, Lisbon police. And they, that Mew general, general Broderick, then Lieutenant Colonel Broderick thought his Marines were being disrespected. And they, they attacked the, the, uh, Lisbon police officers and shit. Remember that one? That was like 1988 when we were getting ready to go on our first float. Holy shit, man. And you you got to hear Furness or some of those 2 eight guys tell that story. That was something.
0: Libo legends of the Marine Corps, right? Yes. Libo <laughs>
4: legends of the Marine Corps. Yeah. What the hell? In
2: 1988, we pulled into Saspo, the Mew. We we played the uh, the local Japanese in rugby, and we had to, like, tur- turn it down because they were just so small. Right. And, and it was a very polite and pleasant. I don't recall any. There must have been incidents. I don't recall any. I, I, what the hell? I've been mean, in the wrong damn places too many times, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, we had a hell of a good time playing rugby with them, but they were very hospitable, and they gave us beer,
0: which was nice. No, they were, they were, always, I, they were always great. Hosts. I
4: think Tim has always been a natural. He's like Richard Burton, the spy. Richard Burton, the British guy who discovered the source to the Nile, because Tim gets along with everybody, that 's how he found the big arm in the uh, the rest wrestling that's true. Place big, big arm. timmy always he gets along that 's how he got that 's how he didn't get his throat cut in Afghanistan and shit you know oh, but, uh, he was, love me, man even yeah. my my cousin my young cousin doug De he's visiting me in like ninety uh i 'm a company commander and 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 so is Timmy or Timmy I think was a three. And Tim goes, hey, I want to dr- go down to Wilmington. You want to come with me? I go, yeah, I got my cousin. He goes, we'll take him. He's a young airborne kid. He's like an E3 in the in the uh, 82nd Airborne. We get down there and he's like, he's hanging out with us and, you know, we're playing pool and shit. You know, and, uh, sure. and Tim, uh, totally, I, I think this kid would have joined the Marine Corps if Tim had another day and a half with him.
0: You know, <laughs> speaking of Wilmington, speaking of Wilmington, um, I was there last week and, well, I don't know maybe, it would be two weeks this Saturday, and uh, I was driving from uh, Cherry Point down to Buford, and so I called Boomer Milstead, and I said, hey, Boomer, I'm, are you going to be around? I'm going to come by. And he goes, are you kidding me? Are you serious? I said, yeah, I'm serious. So I go down, and I go to Boomer's house, and, uh, and uh, you know, we're having a good time, and I said, uh, and and, and name came up, and I said, "Hey, let's call him." And uh, so we we I, we called Dave. He doesn't answer, and I said, "What a what an asshole, man!" And then um, <laughs> I said, "Let's call Neller." I just saw him a week ago. So we called General Neller. Second ring, he picks up, and Boomer says, "Hey, sir." I'm with your favorite company commander. He goes, Mac. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> so I say, Hey, sir. What's up? So yeah, had, you that know, shows how
4: many. That shows how many good company commanders he had. I
0: know. <laughs> and so, so, um, so we talked to him, and then hang up from him, and then like what about three minutes later, Will calls me. He, he was. I called him, and he called me back, and I put him on speaker, and uh, so we had a great conversation between Will and and Boomer and I and uh but just a uh, you know a great guy, a fun guy. You know, when he was uh, well, he was in c and command and leadership um, yeah. right? And then he became a company Fresh commander Howard of Hose. Yeah, of uh Elvis company and uh and I'll never forget uh, we were doing range 5 with his company and I'm running it. And so we're getting to the end of it and I, and I said, "Okay, look, I've got these pop-up targets, okay? And uh, I want you to gr- take up one of the lieutenant's rifle, put it over your shoulders, right, backwards, and have them hold the shaving mirror, and you line up a shot, and you shoot it, and I'll knock the target down, okay? And they won't know it. I said, just don't shoot it. Just don't shoot the son of a bitch into the dirt, okay? He goes, all right. So he gets, up, he gets them all together in the school circle. It's half the company. And he gives him this speech, and he pulls out one round. He said, marksmanship at the Marine Corps, especially this kind of marksmanship, is important. He said, look at this. He said, look at this, Marines. He said, one round, one God, one country, one wife, one shot, one kill. And he puts it in the rifle, and he says, grab a shaving mirror. And he does this whole thing where he's like, no, a little down, a little down. And he does this. He gets the whole thing lined up. He has a rifle over his shoulder, and he's looking at the mirror. And he pulls the trigger, and he doesn't shoot in the dirt. And I knock the target down, and the lieutenants go crazy, right? <laughs> and then he starts moonwalking. <laughs> he starts moonwalking with the rifle. And I'm up at the tower watching, going, this is awesome. But, uh, you know, he's an, ang- Luke Berman, an, an Anglico guy and loved to be out in the woods and navigate and shit like that. But that's how that's how I met him. But just a great guy got out is what uh, manpower. Restart. Yeah, manpower. manpower. And Can Joe- I
1: tell the manpower story?
0: Yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah. So so uh, General Zilmer retired in November uh, and no, retired, I think, in October. And General uh, Amos didn't come in until November. And Amos wanted to put Milstead in to be uh, Manpower. And they didn't get it done while General Conway was there. So I had to actually leave 8th and I when Amos got promoted, went back to the building, and brought the package down for Milstead to, to be the three-star at Manpower. And so fast forward about three months later, and I forget what we were working on, and he had to go in and see Dunford. And he went in, and it really didn't go very well because it's manpower. It's just never going to go very well. So he comes out into my office, and he's he's in my office. Uh, you know, boss says he wants this, and I can't get that, and we can't get this right, and I can't get that right. And I'm standing behind my desk, and uh, absolute deadpan expression. I look at him. And I said, sir, uh, all the people concerned with three-star general morale, uh, none of them work here. <laughs> <laughs> and he looked at me, and he gave me the, you motherfucker.
0: <laughs> hey, Boomer then, has one and, of the largest heads ever in the history of the Corps. I mean, isn't seriously. that how he
4: got the nickname? Boomer? Because of his head? Boomer?
0: I don't know. I don't know. And don't know, he had, kind
4: of, He's an air winger, right?
1: So, yeah. yeah and, and I'll tell you, his office in Manpower, he had one of the greatest collections of stupid memorabilia that people give you <laughs> during the course of your career. It was unbelievable. Surfboards, you name, it was all in there. He yeah, had great stuff.
0: Yeah, no, Boomer's a good guy. Um let's talk uh any um I got a I got a bunch of email about uh what we did last week talking about great Newbold and uh and General Sullivan. Um any uh residual thoughts, any saved rounds on that uh on that discussion, Jeffrey? No, only to say that, uh,
4: you know, S- Sullivan's, uh, you know, hopefully not going to suffer any, you know, for telling the truth there and will continue to go on and, you know, be a, be a, a bulwark in the Marine Corps against bullshit. You know, that's the only thing I got to say. I mean, the, I have to tell you the, uh, the, the field grade officers, you know, who I, talk to here they, they really admire the guy you
0: know so it's a good thing
4: you know they don't admire some of the other folks we got but. Right,
0: right. um tim any uh any, any residual thoughts or reactions or, or other thoughts
2: no other than to say my final paper in poli sci class which has to come in the form of a poster with a bunch of of, of analysis is going to be titled critical military theory in, in general if that's a problem. Just email Mac and he'll let me know, and I won't. But uh, that's that's how impressive that is, and I, and I I think I'm gonna be able to roll that out in class, and I guarantee none of them have ever seen anything anything seen his article or probably thought much about any of the stuff that he that he went over. I'm, I'm not gonna rephrase his article as 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 I'm not rephrasing his article as my project. Obviously, right. I've got to do some statistical analysis in order to get a legit paper out of it. But that's exactly the topic I'm using. And I just appreciate it, sir. Thank you. I I, I hope he's listening.
0: Will, any leftovers? The
1: the only thing I would say is I I didn't look very hard, but I saw no reaction to that anywhere. Yeah, right. Um, Which says a lot. What do you mean? Well, uh, you would think that um, that there might be some pushback, but the people that would push back against it are going to do it in an underhanded, dirty way, behind the scenes, bureaucratically. Or you would see some piling on, um, given an opportunity. Uh, but, you know, again, I didn't look hard, but I saw nothing in reaction to it. Right.
4: And that's and that is says something in itself, I think. It's almost analogous to the whole... Uh... Thing with uh, with Durham's report about uh, you know where where he's at with his investigation now, the silence is deafening. You know,
2: yeah, yeah, but but his I'm not talking about Durham's report, but but that paper that General Newbold did was everywhere. Everybody that we know professionally, right. I already had their hands on it before we started talking about it, and I think that shows how the mainstream media narrative is now so disconnected. It's rapidly becoming irrelevant. I, I think that's a good thing. Uh, you know, but, you but again, hope
0: you're right. But again, per yeah. will, nobody says a word. Nobody has anything to say about it. In assent or, or dissent, nobody says anything. And to me, I mean, um, well, I, I, I mean do, use your
4: imagination. What would, how would you imagine a good, a bunch of active duty like brigadier generals and major generals saying, "Yeah, what he said," or you know. A bunch of just recently retired guys. I mean, what, I'm not criticizing. I'm just asking because yeah. I'm thinking myself. What would be the manifestation
0: we of don't, you know, Mac? It's it's verboten, right, to touch that stuff if you're on active duty. Don't say anything. Because,
4: but they saw it.
0: Career peril.
4: Did. Career peril.
0: Right. Career peril to tell the truth. Right in public to say something, and uh you know, I again, that's what I, I think. That's what I see on a, on a regular basis is do not touch any. You know, again, I go back to Dave, Dave, General Furness's, you know, discussion about discipline. Right. Everybody know. Everybody knows it's a problem. Everybody knows, and no, nobody said anything. Right? right. Crickets, crickets, and so again, we talk about high functioning conformists. Right. And then you're watching one and General Milley. You know, you know, you know, and, and, you know, what other, what other tricks do you want me to do? Climate change, extremism, you know, yeah. All these grave threats to the DOD, you know, I read an
4: article, 6 million man hours spent on, uh, on the, the supremacy bullshit thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 99.995, you know, and do do not meet, do not meet the definition. And so, um. So anyway, it's uh, that that to me is is that silence is definitely. I'll just give you, I don't know how many emails I got, but it was, uh, one of the common themes was this should be mandatory reading in every schoolhouse, you know, for anybody who's a leader in the American military and certainly the United States Marine Corps, and that was a that was a consistent comment uh, from people, so it was it was, it was interesting. No, he he strikes a chord, but again, uh, and we've talked about it ad nauseum. I mean, people probably get sick of us saying it, but really easy to, to say, speak truth to power. Really hard to do when it comes at the cost of your own career, right? But, but that's the, yeah. that's that's what leaders do, and Greg Newbold is the personification of it, and uh, and so again, food for thought for everybody. Food for thought for everybody. Um, what's in the news uh, internationally? Not. Uh, Uh, Russia announced that they were withdrawing. The United States, uh, it, 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 it seems to be that there's an information operation war going on already, uh, where the United States seems to, um, using our satellites and the way we surveil and the way we collect, uh, try to consistently, you know, throw Russia's current tactical posturing, uh, especially when it contradicts what's being said out to the world. So it seems to me there's a pretty interesting information and intense information operation going there. And I I thought it was kind of interesting that Russia would very publicly proclaim that they were redeploying forces back to bases. And then um, earlier today, um, I don't know who said it at the Pentagon, but they said they've actually added 7,000 more troops to to the region. And so I I, I uh, I thought that was kind of interesting.
4: Who knows if it's true, though?
2: That's 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 exactly the point, and and I'm still convinced he he doesn't have to do anything now. Uh, of Putin, why why, why even bother? He, he's he seems to get, be accomplishing all his goals. One of well, which is
4: per- an hour, what, okay, so per what, what per hour. is what is the he is he a, will though? What does he achieve? Will who cares about what, Ukraine and, and uh, Russia? I think the whole thing's a distraction from what's going on in paycar, you know what I mean? And it's like, uh, from the get go. I mean, it's this guy's going to do what he's going to do there with, uh, with the Ukrainians. It may be good. It may be, it's probably bad, but, uh, you know, we can't really do anything about it, you know, functionally. So I don't understand what this whole thing, uh, this whole, you know, threatening them and um, with sanctions and stuff, it's just a big Kabuki dance. It seems to me that like, uh, if, Putin never really wants to get, you know, uh, kinetic with these guys in the first place. When he doesn't do it, they'll just claim victory. Oh, it's because President Biden scared him like he did Corn Pop. Give me a break, you know. But,
2: and, 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 if, and if Putin's audience is the people of Russia, how does the Russian Russia, as in, you know, the, the, the state of Russia, how does it look on the world stage right now? He's he's dictating the shots. He's putting world leaders at the end of these long tables and glaring at them.
0: That was he's, that was funny.
2: That was funny. And, and 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 he's fielding calls from Joe Biden. Holy shit! If you could get a recording of that, I'd love to hear how that sounded. <laughs> oh, I mean,
0: you don't think? He, you know, are... <clears throat> hey, Will, how did they how did they keep somebody from recording it, or did they record it? How did how do you do that? You know, um, I I don't know the president.
1: I know the secretary of state. Um, Those were not secure lines they were talking over. They were were open lines um, when she would talk to people and they wouldn't have secure conversations. And there would be other people on there because you got to have translators very often. And I think that they had stenographers uh, on there. I don't believe that they recorded them. But I couldn't tell you that either. Um,
0: is, is there a way that you know,
1: would they do know if – Yeah,
0: is there a way that you would know is, do we, that somebody Did was recording?
1: Th- well, I mean, if they were recording right off the line, you would think that we would have technology on – well, if someone was recording it in the U.S., like officially, you would think there would be technology there that would, that would show that. If they're recording it on the other side right. – Uh, uh, no idea interesting though you know for the most part these people want to have the access to our president vice president secretary of state and so let's say that they took some they made some sort of a recording and then fucked around with it and and put it out as, oh no this is what the president said you know that would basically cut their access off forevermore yeah, uh, to that kind of conversation.
0: On so, the other hand, though, um, will you be cremated or will you be interred someplace?
2: Me, I yes. I plan to be cremated.
0: Where will your ashes go? How do we visit you?
2: I don't know. I go back and forth. I I the, I, I would because I always I kind of want to be buried in Cornico at the National Cemetery there but i i I kind of like the i I might just have my ashes put there by my wife I, I don't know it's kind of gonna be up to her assuming I proceed her
4: Do the military marine military academy graveyard to me
2: no there's no graveyard there there's only one grave there and that's how you would you could guy. be the other
4: one you're good enough <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'd go see you yeah, what about, what about you what up. about you jeff are you gonna be uh buried or cremated?
4: I told Lori. Spread my ashes like uh, in uh, the Big Lebowski, <laughs> uh,
0: not, and, uh, not like that. She's
4: like, she's like, fuck no! You're going to Arlington, where you? Bl-. I go. There's no room in Arlington. I'll have to bury me standing up. I- I'm- I'll be standing there, parade. No, 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 forever. no, no,
0: no. You, you can be buried in Ar- Arlington. You can. I know, can but I mean, just there's a
4: million motherfucking guys better than me there. They should put somebody else.
0: Well, there's you a know, mil- like- hey, there's a million motherfucking guys worse than you too, okay? So you're probably right Other in the middle of that. <laughs> <a> qualitative- <laughs> How about you, Will? Are you being? Uh, are you going to be buried or, or cremated?
1: My current instructions are to be buried. Where? Uh, well, I I put in there Arlington if it's still open. Hopefully, right. it's not open because hopefully I'll. I'm going to outlast it, you know. You it. <laughs> and got then the more. second place, the second place was the uh, was the uh, Quantico National Cemetery. It's a, really a nice cemetery. Yeah, it yes. is. Yeah.
2: yeah, I like it. I like Quantico too. I mean, I I went to high school there for Christ's sake. I got a little yeah. little history. Oh
0: wow, who knew that? One way or another, in a, in a national cemetery, though. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I'd like to be buried uh, on Point Loma. I used to go running oh, out there as a college nice. guy. Uh, when I was in college yeah. I'd go out and, and park my car and then run out to the point and then come back and, and uh just beautiful, historical. Um or you know You know, um, Will Will and I had a company commander
4: who said I'd rather be buried at sea than cremated. I prefer both to be in station at headquarters of the Marine Corps. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Ratliff
1: said that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what about you I, know, here's, a, here's another, if you, if here's you another idea the, I have AV.
1: But Mac, if you hate the Navy, be cremated and have your ashes spread at sea. They hate it uh, because I've, I've, the ashes blow all over the place. I know. The guys are in there, out there in their blues. Yeah, they a, gotta brush the dead guy off of them. Yeah, oh yeah, they, trust so. me,
0: I I did burials at sea like that, and if and what 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 you have to do in order to get it right is you got to close all the. Um, all the all the hangar bay doors, so you so you can control the wind, right? And the ship comes to a halt, and you know you you kind of you do this, or it's it's moving slowly, but you it, in a in a constant direction, so the winds are constant. So we're doing one, and somebody opens a hangar bay door, and the wind shift, and the ashes get dumped, and they come blowing right back on everybody. <laughs> and, and let me tell you the worst part of it, though.
4: It's like the Big Lebowski. Oh right? no!
0: I mean, yeah. The, but the worst part of it was. They were the ashes of of the father, of one of the uh, senior chiefs. Yeah, in in weapons department. So, I mean, it sounds funny, but I mean, it was not it was shit. No, it was shit. It was shitty. What do you think of this idea of, in order to put the fun back in funeral, (coughs) recording your own (laughs) recording your own eulogy? First of all, everybody, I'd like to welcome you to my funeral. Uh, Obviously, I can't be here today. But I thought I'd—I uh, have a few comments to make, and um, and they just turn on the MP3. First of all, John and Patrick, if this guy's in the building, get his ass hit pause, get his ass out of here right now, okay? Now, here's a few things I want to say about me, okay? Because I know me—I've spent my whole life with me. And then you kind of go and you do, you know, you do your little thing and you give your own eulogy. What do you think, Timmy?
2: I think you sound a lot like Daniel Boone, who insisted on having a casket made as he was getting towards the end of his days, and would take naps in it because he was all proud <laughs> to have a big old oak casket. And when he finally died, they put him in his casket, and he was, and he went to his maker very happy. But I also think that that is not a bad idea because uh, funerals aren't any fun, and uh, yeah. you know you're there for. You, you're there to support the loved ones. You're there because uh, of, out of respect. And to listen to you start wisecracking, somehow that seems very appropriate. I mean, could you imagine
0: they're sitting, everybody's sitting there and say, okay, let me, I want to talk about my kids for a minute, right? Mm-hmm. You guys have made my life the best ever. There's As a dad, I could not be more proud, and I just, you know, but let me talk about each one of you for a second. And then you kind of go through, and you you know you give them a rough time give me a little bit of a rough ride as as you're walking out and then you know but i mean and then but you leave everybody laughing right so that's all i got thank you for coming right stand by and then they hit the music right whatever the music is take me out to the ball game Right, the Marines. Him. I mean, whatever you want to play, and everybody. Hans I don't want to work. I want to bang on these drums. Yeah, or something like that, and everybody's laughing, and you know, and you know what they're going to say. What a great guy,
4: right? Yeah. But who, you, gives the, who gives Who gives a fuck what they say after your death?
0: What's your yeah, legacy? You want to
4: do it Matter now? It's your you legacy. Now. As Churchill said, <laughs>
0: wanna... as Churchill said, I know history will be kind to me because I will write it. Right.
2: But you want to record it but while you still sounded like you sound it's not good enough, as
4: he deserves. Yeah. You
2: yes. Don't, you don't want to wait till you're like 85 no. and had a no. stroke oh. and you're in your
0: speech trying to do punchlines and shit. I you don't know. Do that would be pretty yeah. good.
4: You know, you got to do it. You got to just, I don't think that's practical, although it is admirable. Uh, to, you know, Mac, what you're saying? Because you probably change your mind. You're like, whoa, oh, I got a stomachache. I'm going to change my fucking eulogy. Yeah.
0: yeah. Too late. No. You know,
4: you well, no. Oh, I fuck. mean, the
0: stuff that you would say about your kids and, and things like that—that that wouldn't change. I mean, that would be kind of a constant. unless one of them really got sideways with you, right? And then you could go. Yeah, you're and right.
4: Go, that, that, yeah. Well, some things wouldn't change, but uh, but then you never know. They might. Everything <laughs> might change. It's right. like, uh, you just never know. <laughs> <laughs> it's better to keep your fucking mouth shut. No, so.
0: I don't agree. Because then you're going <laughs> to leave it to some other jackass to, to eulogize you. Who uh,
4: cares you'll be dead it's like i i no oh, I care, trust dad. me,
0: I care it's a, it's my last official event, it's like my birth, my death,
4: I right? know, I know what you're saying, man, but you'll be dead, you won't i, I know i don't care, you?
0: I have an interest you, in it.
4: the key is to uh to influence key motherfuckers in your life who will say good shit about you at the end
1: <laughs> <laughs> well yeah. I think you're out of luck. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. I
4: mean, I know I am, but I, I identify that as a mistake. One of the main, <laughs> who's this guy talking about? It? What a good guy, Jeff Kenney. Some drunk named Dan And then Rogers, everybody's you know, sitting there going, <laughs> he doesn't even he
0: doesn't even know him. Doesn't even know him. If he knew him, he would sure as hell wouldn't say the shit he's saying. All right, what are you reading? Jeffrey, what are you reading?
4: I just managed to, I revived my Kindle. I did, like, combat life-saving on my Kindle, and I deserve credit for it. I drained the motherfucker all the way down to nothing, and then I put it back in, and it came to life. And I just got um, <laughs> the book from my, my friend who you know, my, uh, uh, Mac, uh Ken Kirkaby, a uh, Kirk. book that he recommended uh, about uh, Robert Rourke called The View from a High Place. So I'll, I'll, have, I'll be able to report on it next week. I'm starting to read it now. But it's about a guy who wrote books about Africa in the 50s and 60s, starting with a, the seminal book he wrote called Something of value about the Mau Mau revolt in 1953, which is very good. And it's fiction, which means the guy actually had to have an imagination, not just some cipher who fucking reads off other fuckers, you know, notes about what happened. Not to denigrate nonfiction. I'm just saying, you know.
0: Got it. All right. Well, what are you reading? We need an update.
1: Yeah, I I just finished uh, The Future of Money a guy named Prasad, P-R-A-S-A-D. So it's actually a very good sort of primer on banks, international banking, central banks, and then he layers in cryptocurrency and future digital currency. And it's quite interesting because there's a lot of social uh, type ramifications on how banks work and how governments create money and distribute money Uh, You know, and we're going to a society with without cash. Cash is really disappearing. And what that does is it takes anonymity out of transactions. So it's bad, uh, you know, if you're a criminal. uh, But it's also bad if you're just a private citizen who doesn't want people snooping in on what you do. And and an interesting point the guy makes is that that within 20 years, that privacy thing is going to be irrelevant, because the only people concerned with privacy in this country are over, like, 35 years old. Quite. Everyone that's 40 or 35 and below basically broadcasts their entire life. Every meal they eat, every bowel movement they have, you know, is on social media. So it's sort of interesting You're right. to look. And
0: then – What is it – you, pl- you said primer, right? What's the difference yeah, between primer. primer and primer? Nothing. Um, is, this, is it the same I, thing? pronunciation.
1: Pronunciation. That's it. <laughs> same same thing. Then why do people say primer? Because they suck. They don't know any better.
4: Yeah, they're they're pretentious.
0: <laughs> you know what I? I used to hear people refer to Hackworth's thing that he wrote. Uh, what's that thing called? It was a primer on. Oh, the Vietnam. the yeah.
4: Vietnam Primer. Vietnam Primer, and yeah. they would say about.
0: Yeah, Hackworth's Vietnam Primer. Like what the fuck is a primer
2: yeah West Point West Point
1: pronunciation
0: oh. yeah, <laughs> William, uh, please continue,
1: and then uh I'm still plugging through the ideological origins of the American Revolution, which again, this thing won a Bancroft prize and a Pulitzer Prize in the sixties. People back then had to be smarter than they are today, I mean he gets into. These uh, the political theories and history of the 18th century, and even the 17th century in England, and the Glorious Revolution. Right, Uh, and then and and to see how the founders, particularly the revolutionaries, so the pre-founders, even like Samuel Adams, were thinking, but then how widespread a lot of this deep political thought was, you know, um, imagine if you didn't have the internet and you actually read things and discussed them with other people instead of wasting your time doing whatever we do, we would probably be a lot smarter too. But this book is, uh, if you're into, you know, the politics of this country and the founding of the country and, and also just real political ideas, the ideological origins of the American Revolution. Bernard Balin, B-A-I-L-Y-N. But it's it's rough sledding. It's only uh, oh, it's three hundred and eighty odd pages, and I'm only into about two forty something, and I've been going at it
0: for three weeks. On and off. Wow. to get off your
1: interesting yeah.
0: stuff. stuff. Yeah. Quit slacking yeah, slackin off. Why don't you read? Well, you know, I would mean, tell yeah, you, it had had to to get the, card yeah. the basis of wisdom yeah. is discourse, you know. <laughs> it's discourse with intelligent people and, uh, you know, which causes your brain to churn on things. You know what I mean? And it takes knowledge and refines it and chews on it and chews on it. But it's that discourse, it, you know. And again, people can scoff at this, and I don't. Re- I don't much give a fuck what they scoff at. But I mean, we've been doing a version of this for a long time in our career, and, w- and we and we really like doing it, right? Which right. is which is arguing about different things and nuance points. But I will tell you this: a year ago, I started doing um, seminars uh, with my post traumatic winning seminars with civilians, and it's much different than what I do when I go out and speak because. Um, we they'll watch like an an hour of video and there's like about seven hours of it now, and then we get together and we talk about it. And I cannot tell you how much wisdom I think uh, these discussions, uh, just on the whole idea of guilt and trauma, you know, and 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 when somebody says I you know I feel guilty, well, what exactly does that mean, you know, and and then most guilt that people assume. I would tell you is assumed guilt, not true guilt. Guilt is that which re- which you had responsibility and control over. You are culpable for by your willful actions or lack of action, oh, yeah. right? And that is that yeah. is that is guilt, and and it's a normal human emotion. But I th- I think most guilt lies in I, I I take these pieces that don't really go together, and I shove them together, and because I'll never talk about it with anybody because it's such a private thing. Right? I've assumed this guilt, and, uh, and I kind of use this um, thing that, that Zinni talks about when he talks about I'm reluctant to talk about my combat experiences because things happened in a certain way that I don't really know if they happened like that. right? And I'm headed to go attack one guy, and this guy bumps into me on the left, and another guy bumps into me on the right. Now, the guy on the right was lost. The guy on the left was looking for water, but I'm in a three-sided you know, deliberate ambush. But it wasn't a three-sided deliberate ambush, you know. And so, um, so again, it's, it, I, I think it's wisdom. Well, is yeah, is, is knowledge?
4: It's not, not a new concept. I mean, that's the whole concept of the March of Folly by uh, by Tuckman, Barbara Tuckman. You know, it's like she she identified that, and guys identified that before her. You know that uh, you know that type of thing. I have to tell you, though, the, what Will was bringing up about— Wait a uh, When you
0: said that type of thing, What you, I don't know what you're talking about. What type of thing? The
4: whole—the idea of General Zinni with the random, randomness be, just
0: because oh, right, he felt
4: yeah, like right. he blundered into firefights.
0: Or, or yeah, that, and then the uh, more experience he got, the more he questioned what he saw and the way he linked it together. So he said, yeah. I, I try to be very circumspect. And, and so, you know, but my point is, what, what Will said, is that this idea of— intelligent discourse with intelligent people and the kind of wisdom it leads to, um, yeah. is, 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 is a profound thing in life. And, and, but you know what, we don't do right. it. So we don't do it so much anymore. Right? You're right.
4: You're right, Mac. And you, and that's what I was stumbling towards in my own inept way. The, uh, what, what Will was talking about is when back in the early nineties, when we started really getting into this with each other, even though other people had done it before, there was no internet. We had to crack books. And, uh, and just like the people who wrote the constitution, they had to know what they were talking about. And the only way they could know that was to crack open books and write letters to each other because there was no telephones or anything like that. Or, you know, video and they had to like actually be uh, adept at communicating with each other through the lingua franca, you know, the, the language that we had then. And so it, it, in just in doing that they became more circumspect in their thoughts right. they became less likely to throw out hyperbola you know and insults to each other and stuff like that because the more you delved into the you know to the the written word the less uh the less um you know uh angry you would get not not so much angry but the less impulsive you would get in the things you would say because you had to, actually had to Record them. There's no other way to do it for them, and 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 then the early '90s for us compared to now, where now it's instantaneous. Internet stuff on you know on the on the on cell phones and, and the shit you see on the on TV, it's all instantaneous. That's why there's so much insulting and and uh, crassness in in uh, media now because it's so easy. Back then it wasn't so easy. You actually had to find out stuff by going to the library or reading a book, and then using that book against another book. You know it has a it has a uh, it has a good effect on you to actually go through the intellectual process
0: yeah and again especially in the company of smart people um having the footnote arguments and then really the nuance of deep diving on a specific issue right, right. as you pull it apart um to me is is has been you know um is 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 fascinating whether you talk about guilt. Uh, in trauma, shame and trauma, moral injury, all those things. Well, what is it? How do you explain it? Right. right. How, how do you explain it right. to a normal human being, you know, and, uh, and, and I'll tell you what, I mean, it's, it's, it's been, it's amazing when, um, and I'd never been in a, a conversation like that about guilt and I'm fortunate in, in a lot of the things that I've, I've been, I'm, 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 I'm not culpable in any of it. And I put my head down on, on my pillow at night easy, but, you know, when you, when you, when you talk to people that do struggle with it and you begin to, and they allow you to kind of, as bit by their comments, talk about it and you begin to ask questions and then all of a sudden you see that they're, they're beginning to see that, you know what, I really didn't have control over that. And these pieces that I, I, I have shoved together really don't go together. And you see really this transformation of this human being and this relief But again, so anyway, but my point, my larger point was, you know, these discussions, nuanced, intelligent discussions with smart people are, to me, what I've loved about this uh, most of my life. Timmy, what are you reading?
2: Talk about a segue. I'm going to hit all of those topics in one. The book is The Cold Vanish, Seeking the Missing in North America's Wildlands by John Billman. This may well win an award this year. And you don't have to be smart to read it at all. But what this is the discussion about is the cold vanish, as in when people just disappear from a spot and they can't find any trace of anything. And it centers around a case of a kid named Jacob Gray, a 22-year-old, went missing off of Olympic National Park. And the author who writes for Outside Magazine is an outdoor enthusiast he teaches in high school he actually spends time with Jacob Gray's father, who quits his business and moves up there and does nothing but look for his son 24-7. They, and what's interesting about this is, one, the, 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 the lack of cooperation from the National Park Service, who weren't too interested in, in, in looking into things. From that, we get into a discussion about jurisdictions when people go missing and how many people go missing and there's no database. Nobody has any idea. It appears to be a whole bunch of things. So you're focused on this Jacob Gray story with his father, who's who's our age. Jacob and his father raised in Santa Cruz, cold water surfers. The, the, the idea that this kid could fall into a river and not get out and freeze, his father couldn't imagine the it. The kid would surf Santa Cruz without a wetsuit. His father spends the entire summer diving that river, going under uh, breaks and whatnot. I mean, you know, it's 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 ice melt, and he's in there with a with a four three wetsuit. I mean, four four inch wetsuit, and and he's getting his ass torn up. He finally, some guys who own a barn at the end of the road, at the end of this forest, which is the big the National Bigfoot Clearance Center. They bring him in, so him and his him and his, his ex-wife at the time, and they start helping him. I mean, the amount of effort that went into these searches is phenomenal, and then he goes from that, and he starts taking you around the country to other cases, some of which appear to be serial killer activity, some of which where people just ended up in places where they can't imagine them, and some themes keep reoccurring, such as bodies turning up in areas that were thoroughly searched weeks before, bodies turning up. But, there, but there's no evidence that their clothes and their shoes have been, I mean, their, 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 their clothes look brand new. It's the weirdest thing. And he spends time um, going with dog trackers, with, with searchers and what have you. And I think one of the most interesting people that I've read about so far, because I'm not I'm not finished, is a cat named Alan Duffy, volunteer bloodhound runner. He says no other dogs can hunt, hunt a person in a bloodhound. You know, you don't let them off the league. He explains this all to you. And as this guy was writing the book, he was writing articles for outside describing what was going on. And the and the thing he wrote about Alan Duffy got the most mail at Outside magazine anywhere, all of them from other dog handlers saying fucking bloodhounds suck, they drool, they fart a lot, blah, blah, blah. It's it's really weird. But if you want to talk about a deep dive from a guy who writes very, very well and he doesn't pass judgment on anybody, be they Bigfoot enthusiasts all these different types of, of, of rescue organizations. But what he lays out is nobody has a clue how many people are disappearing out in the wilderness, but it appears to be a considerable number. And in a per capita basis, the number one state for people vanishing, in, in other words, vanishing in nowhere, a cold vanish, is Alaska, bro. Just so you know. So be careful. <laughs> But man, talk about interesting! Because it's he—he he bounces all around like he's got ADHD. So I love him. I do too. I think. And and, and I'm telling you,
0: I was just is, gonna say is, such, just, you just—you might have set a little bit of a, a record right there for for switchbacks and reversing and and and
4: exactly.
2: Well, this is that kind of a book. But this cat Alan Duffy, who works as an as an OR tech, doesn't accept money. Runs around with a with his with his hound dogs in a jeep and whatnot he's an amusing character to read about. And as you start reading this, the science behind dog sense and all these other kinds of stuff, I mean, just I, I've learned a lot that I really didn't want to know. And the one thing that I've learned that I think I want to share with everybody else is when you read this book, if you ever are a wilderness uh, hunter or hiker or anything like that, I didn't realize this, but you got these things called uh, uh, Garmin InReach. That's one style of of satellite-based point-to-point emergency. Uh, this Garmin uh, InReach Mini 2 that I'm looking at on the net, you can talk back and forth on the thing. But you also have an SOS button, and it and it and it automatically GPS tracks you where you're going and crap like that. And I I tell you what, after reading this stuff. Because I've spent some time up in those up in, up in the Olympia Mountain Range, and uh, you know, all by myself, I'd never do it again without one of these things in my pocket. Because it uh, it just doesn't make any sense. It's 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 damn amazing. He thinks at best, guess two thousand a year. Poof, vanish. No no idea what the hell happened. Do you Nobody think, can. Do
0: you think Bigfoot actually exists?
2: I I I I I want to.
0: No, that wasn't the know, question. Sam Alley, it do,
4: killed him. I saw a movie. Sam, The man who killed Hitler and Bigfoot. I think he's dead.
2: No, no. I. I do you think
0: you Bigfoot ever Bigfoot guy, existed? I do. Will, do you I think do, Bigfoot ever existed? Absolutely not. Jeff, do you think Bigfoot ever existed? Yes. <laughs> I do not. Yes,
4: I do. <laughs> Just because Will said... He didn't, and because you, of course, agree with Will. <laughs> I do not
0: think Bigfoot. If you can read Bigfoot. the book,
4: you might change your mind. Yeah, no. I think he did. It's... It depends on what – because here's the thing. Um, you know, Basically, we're saying a like, prehistoric guy left over, right? And uh, so do I think there's Bigfoot up there now? Probably not. Did I, There was a movie, like I said, with Sam Elliott called The Man Who Killed Hitler and then Bigfoot. It's a great flick, and it makes you believe that he did both. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, obviously, I don't believe that. You know, but uh, it's one of them, it's just one of the things we don't know, and, and it doesn't really have significance. So, what do you mean it man? doesn't it's have consistent significance? Consistent across it the world? It Doesn't really, man. Big uh, Bigfoot if, if across he did,
2: the world. There's reportings of something that would be similar to like, Bigfoot. The Yeti, there's like cetera, Yeti, The Yeti, right?
4: There, the there, Yeti. Yes. Yep. Bigfoot. There's uh, who is the guy who used to look like a woman who played basketball? Um,
1: Dennis Rodman
4: Dennis Rodman <laughs> yeah. I think he might be actually one of those guys you know but
2: um, but, but like, yeah I really I can't, think can't think think were, so think you don't really
0: do you think do you think Lee, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone Tim yes Will uh,
1: that I'm not sure about Jeff? it's not something I've spent a whole lot of time in. got it but Jeff no
4: no, no. He's part of a bunch of dudes who're trying to kill a president.
0: I believe you act alone. Um, you what, are the, what are the great conspiracies? Do we need to have a vote up or down on? Um, let's see. Final well, here's the
4: thing. I mean, you have to depend on the, the veracity of uh, government agencies. And I just don't trust. I didn't trust them. <laughs> no, this they're, is they're, going on. Lie. This is
0: going on Spidey Sense. Spidey Sense. You're you're, you're innate Spidey. Okay, sense. my Spidey Sense yeah,
4: we says. Start to, the did FBI Hitler is
2: lying. really die? You know, that there's a, a bunch of conspiracy theories about that crap.
0: I Do you think, think it, Hitler died at the end of World War Two, Tim? Yes. Will? Yeah, I think he did. Jeff?
4: Yes, I know it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure.
0: I agree. I agree. That's the who, first time we've who ever... Were the first who were the
4: first Russians
2: into
0: So Hitler's now I'm
4: bunker? doubting it. Now that you guys agree on it, I'm thinking my, I'm second guessing. Well, I'm
2: talking to you I'm talking to you, Jeff. I'm talking to you, Jeff. Okay. Who were the I'm first Russians into Hitler's
4: bunker? And what do oh, they do? I, I think those guys. Um, I don't know. I forgot.
2: Female soldiers, and they took Eva Braun's uh, underwear. They went and raided Eva Braun's closet. The first The first
4: people
0: Where in there the were women. The hell winning. did female you? Read, do you have a footnote for uh, that?
4: I'll tell you what, though. That, that I do have a footnote. Well, I got to go find it though.
0: Well, I, I would appreciate, that, and it, if you say the national required July seventh, the, the no,
4: Russians. No, those, no, no, no. Pe- no, Timmy's got a point because. Um, they weren't assault. They use them at SSE, like we like you know uh, sensitive site exploitation. They're in there looking for shit, and you know they all they they got they're wearing fucking burlap underwear. Those Russians, <laughs> for sure they're gonna have that. you
2: know. No, I was reading the one guy that survived w- was telling. I read it in a book last year. I'll go find the book. I I, 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 uh, I want, but I was I mixed. want
0: that thing footnoted. Okay, so you need to give. I'm gonna that.
2: footnote it uh, next week, buddy. You can count on
0: it. Got it got it got it is there any other what are the great conspiracy theories
2: i say no on loch ness monster
0: <laughs> jeff jeffrey loch ness monster. yeah yes or no? that's
4: another one I, can, I don't really give a shit so i don't have an opinion huh? um i have to tell you that to me the kennedy thing is i think he got whacked by a conspiracy i really do and i'm trying to it's difficult to uh to try and put together i mean you look at qui bono you know who benefits you know what, what I mean? does There's that have to do with
0: different... the loch ness bon- monster do you believe that i already they...
4: told you i don't i don't give a fuck about the loch ness monster you have to you vote know? you have to vote belie-
0: yes or no no then no <laughs> will loch <laughs> no. ness just, monster just trying Some...
2: to deconflict his knowledge of kennedy with all the with books the loch ness, ness monster i
0: don't understand will no it's
2: the
4: same thing, thing. As Sasquatch? i don't think the loch ness monster <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. The hey, let me, listen games. to this.
0: Listen to this. Um, I, um, when I lived in San Clemente above uh, the OC Tavern on the golf course, um, I lived in this great house. My next-door neighbor retired there as a Secret Service agent. He was on Nixon's right. detail, and uh, he, he joined the Secret Service out of the Army, was an MP, and then his sister said, why don't you join the Secret Service? And so he does. He gets assigned to the, the presidential detail at the White House. And uh he said, The first president I ever spoke to was Dwight Eisenhower. And he right said, now. I'm standing by this door, and Eisenhower <laughs> comes walking through and he goes, he goes, Hey, if you're not five minutes early, you're late. And he said, Yes, sir. <laughs> so he gets assigned to Kennedy's security detail. And he's just a he's a great guy, his name's Ron. And uh so um and he was telling me about that day, and he got very emotional when he's talking about it. Because I, I, you know, when he said he worked Kenny's security detail, you know, your first instincts is, so, right? But I didn't have the, I didn't have the, the. <laughs> How'd you fuck it up? I didn't, I didn't have the, you know, I, I didn't have. The, but one day, yeah, yeah one day we it's were talking. Yeah, exactly. One day we were talking, and um, and I don't know how the subject came up, and he started talking about it. And you know the you know the 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 presidential limousine only allowed to make certain turns, right? That turn in Dealey Plaza was an acute turn, and because it, it slowed the, the motorcade down to what less than thirty miles an hour. So there's all these rules that get violated in Dallas, and, he, and he's telling me about it, you know. Right. <laughs> and he, he said I was there the day before, I went to Houston the day he was killed, and then I was because the, the following day was my day off so i was kind of flying home we were supposed to go to houston after dallas i was doing the advance work and then i was going to go home i got 3 days off and then i i would rejoin him and uh and he told me he said oswald acted alone he's a he's a punk he said i know the guys that interrogated him and uh he said uh that kid wasn't smart enough to uh to be a part of any any uh any conspiracy And so, but you know, it's just when you can see, he tells this story, he's from Chicago, right? And so, I mean, you're, you're talking to like a piece of history and, uh, he says, uh, he said, he talks about Kennedy, what a great guy he was. He was, he said he was a great guy. He was funny. And if he said, if you think this country's going nuts over Barack Obama, he goes, he said, you should have seen him go nuts over Jack Kennedy. He said, women throwing their underwear. He said, and this is in the 60s, for God's sakes, when nobody did that. And he said, uh, and he never carried cash, so we'd be at church, and he'd want to put money, right, in in the collection. And he'd stick his hand through the pew, and we'd be sitting behind him, and we'd start shilling out our cash, right? And he'd like, if we didn't give him enough, he'd put his hand back through, and he'd start moving his fingers like, give me more, give me more, give me more, right? And so he said, so we're going to O'Hare we're going to go dedicate o- o- to O'Hare Airport. And uh, he said, I'm from Chicago. And my parents were going to be there. And my mother said, is there any way we could meet the president? And he said, look, I, I don't know. I will ask him. And and so she said, okay. And um, so he said, you know, de- the dedication of O'Hare, uh, Mayor Daley, uh Ross Zinkowski, and there was two other two other big Chicago Pauls, uh I can't remember. He called them the four wise men. And he said, So the president's saying and they're all Democrats, right? And they all hate each other. And so he said, uh we of get course. we get off Air Force One and we're walking, and as we get off the we come down the the, the 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 ramp, the steps, I looked at the president and said, Uh, Mr. President, would you like to meet my parents? And he looks at me, and he said. He said, "Absolutely." He said, "Where are they?" And he said, "My mom's over there." He said, "Let's go." And he said, "So we make kind of a a right oblique, and we walk, and my mom and dad are standing there, and here's the President of the United States, John Kennedy." He said, wow. "My mom almost levitated," and he sticks his hand out and he says, "Hi, I'm Jack Kennedy." And my mom and dad introduce themselves and. He said, you know, he's looking at them. He said, Hey, I just want you to know, you have a great kid. He's a great Secret Service man. And, uh, and th- he talked to my mom for like two or three minutes, you know, and then, you know, then we walked away. And he said, um, he was smarter than hell. You know, he treated people right. And, uh, he said, uh, it's been crushing to know that that happened to him and, and all of that. And it was just, I mean, so you're sitting there with a the piece of American history and, 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 and learning about it. And it was uh, very interesting. But, but that that was his take. All yeah. right. On that note, from Alaska, we'll sign off. I'll sign off. And uh, boys, Watch thank you. Watch out
4: for yourself up there, man. Watch out for them bears. God knows what could happen. No, no.
2: It's moose. The, that base has a problem with moose. I saw an article on it the day he left. Yeah they got real problems trying to get the moose not to come around and bother everybody because they're too fucking big to mess with. You don't want to be messing with
0: mooses.
4: Mac will be like man in the wilderness. Yeah, he'll be like You know,
0: I'm a bit of an airport um, expert now. And um, (laughs) it's a great airport. You get off the plane. You don't have to take a shuttle to go get a rental car. Anchorage is a fairly large city, right? You go to you know you, you go down the escalator you walk you get you, you get your rental car and then boom you walk out the door and the car's there, so no bear is going to eat me between the door of my rental car and the door of the uh, airport. Come on, they That's be- not what I heard. <laughs> they, better be <laughs> they better be fast. What percentage of Alaska is wanted by authorities in one of the lower forty-eight?
4: You're right. That's the first place I go. I about, may go there anywhere.
0: About six, <laughs> about sixty percent, and you know, and you see these like you know, leather-worn people. That just, it's like the the desert people out in Yucca Valley and Twenty Nine Palms. You know those people. Uh, yes,
4: I do know that. <laughs> I, see, I I that social them. I've seen antisocial tendencies. Probably, I admire those those strange people out there. <laughs> those
0: <laughs> noble savages. Those strange, (laughs) the people, beyond
4: Thunderdome people, (laughs) exactly.
0: (laughs) But they, they like looking like they walked right out of the Mel Gibson fucking movie. Man, it's fucking horrible. That'll do it on a Friday. Thanks for listening. My thanks to the Mensa Brothers for all that wit and wisdom. (laughs) What what in the hell, man? No, as I said, it's what I enjoy about my friends, man. From zero to 60 in a heartbeat and from going straight to a hard left, right, or whatever kind of turn, like right this second. So, anyway. Um, Have a great weekend. Uh, Grant Neuschen should be with us on Monday and uh, and then I'll try to do something from Wisconsin for Wednesday and then uh, the Mensa Brothers back on Friday so anyway um, fun for me this morning to have the time to do this and uh, thanks for listening I'm Mike McNamara of the Solomon Radio if I can help you help somebody right and trust me you can help them do not be afraid to stick your hand out and be a hand of light that shines into the valley of the shadow of death And pulls somebody out of that motherfucker, man. And changes their life. And then shows them how to do this. So in turn, they can change somebody else's life. So, with that said, have a great weekend. I'm back on Monday. I'm out. I gotta go mess with my new watch. And set up my new phone. So, have a good one.